0: Hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I am your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Lyons. How are you, Simon? You right. Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. not too bad. Yeah, we are just talking about how hot it is. I think we've both come back field with a little bit of a heat stroke. I think we're both rather pink. You turned around on the coach on the way back yesterday from Liverpool, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> not quite what we expected in September." A bit strange.
1: Yeah, it was, and obviously the way ends open there, isn't it? Like there's literally no like cover on you from to shield you from the sun. So it felt like a bit like being back in like Wren or back in America, didn't it? Really, it was. Yeah, it was red hot, wasn't it? And then yeah, so I'm a little bit, little bit sore on the old nose and forehead today, but yeah apart from that not too bad yeah if
0: anybody listening went to Ren, you'll know exactly what you mean that was one of the hottest away ends i've ever stood in the heat that day was absolutely mental i think it sent you a bit mental that heat that day didn't it absolutely yeah, it did. crazy going to all the the concourse staff saying i'll have everything you've got water <laughs> whatever that was just a crazy <laughs> afternoon yeah we'll talk about that in a little bit we'll also talk of course about the european draw that was made last week and our plans for that in a little bit more detail thanks very much for the support on the recent videos as well all the videos are doing really well um I mean, the Liverpool one, I mean, the vast majority of people in the comments are Liverpool fans. But on the whole, thank you so much for the support, as always, on the Villa on Tour YouTube channel and, of course, the podcast as well. Please do leave a review if you do go on to enjoy it. It really does help us out. And, of course, subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on so you never miss an episode. Right, to delay the inevitable, and I don't really want to talk about Liverpool, so I'm going to talk about Europe a little bit first. Um, I was sat in the Upper North for the first time for the Hibs game last week on Thursday. I mean... You've talked to me loads of times about the sort of state of the Upper North. We had a bit of a fiasco from start to finish on Thursday, didn't we, with the trains to getting in the stadium. I mean, it was my first, first experience, that tiny concourse. It's a bit of a disaster getting to the stadium, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, we made the we made the conscious choice to go to Whitton Station, didn't we, because we thought oh, it's closer to... Um... Closer to the north stand, what happened? We got on a train full of full of Hibs fans who were really, really good. To be fair, all, all really, you know, in good in good voices and good spirits, and uh, we were talking to a lot of them, weren't we? But yeah, the mm-hmm. train didn't move for what was it? About half an hour, uh, forty minutes, something like that, because yeah. someone had pulled the cord, and then we had to race to another train, <laughs> and then we only just about made it for kick off, and we in that massive pile up outside the north stand, trying to get into the turnstiles because the Villa don't think that the Cuban system's appropriate when it really, really is. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare all around, really. So And then you got to you got to experience the wonderful
0: North stand upper, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what I expected, but, I mean, the quicker a wrecking ball goes through that, the better, honestly. I mean, I don't know what the police sort of expect when, like, Ligia Warsaw and stuff come to Birmingham. Like, hmm. they couldn't even deal with a few... Hibs fans. I mean, they were brilliant. They really were, and they were really nice. All the ones we spoke to on the train, whatever. There, they, they were like sound people. But my god, man, when you're getting all these like ultras coming from Europe, like through New Street, can you imagine? It's going to be an absolute faff. So look forward to that. I don't think we'll uh, be going to Witten, sort of half an hour before kickoff, um, when those boys are in town. But we shall see. The view was really, really good. I was impressed. I mean, you told me I've seen all the pictures you take from your season ticket seat. The view is fantastic, and from my seat normally in K4 in the upper hall, you can never really hear away fans and. you You can never really sort of gauge any difference between them. People talk about, oh, how good are the away fans coming to Villa Park? Where I sit, you can't tell. They're all the same. So that's why I wanted to sit there to sort of, Feel the away ending. it was brilliant. It was so so good. Fair play to the Hibs fans. I mean, they came to Villa Park five nil down, and they were probably up there with the best fans I've seen at Villa Park. They were absolutely incredible. I think they were in Pop World on the night before, weren't they? In town, and they were just making a making a party of it. And fair play to them. They were absolutely brilliant. Were they full full credit to them?
1: Yeah, they were. They were amazing, weren't they? Yeah, literally didn't stop singing from the first minute to the last. And fair play to them. I mean, they were 5-0 down, even going into the game. And then, obviously, the game ended up being 8-0 on aggregate. And so, for them to be in full voices the whole time was, was, was good. And, yeah, we met we, we met them all on the train. And they all, they all seemed really, really nice, to be fair, didn't they? And, uh, and yeah, it was all in good spirit, wasn't it? wasn't any, like, trouble or anything that we saw. It was just that the police clearly you couldn't handle it at Birmingham New Street which was absolutely bizarre to be honest so yeah you're right I mean roll on when we've got the likes of Warsaw and Azed Altmark comes to Villa Park because um, it could get interesting put it that way
0: yeah I, d- I did like sitting there to be fair I mean I might do it in future for all the European games I mean for the video it makes it so much better as well because these fans that are going to come to Villa Park are going to be something else like with all the pyros and all the tifos that they like to do these European like ultras and teams like that looking forward to it mate so I might make it a bit of a, a regular sitting in the north stand. Upper be a decent little uh, yeah. inclusion for the videos on YouTube, definitely. You were just
1: a little bit far back, weren't you? I mean, like you know, because I only sit in like row, what was it, row F? Which mm-hmm. is only a few rows in the front, and yeah, you really feel it from there. Like you, it's weird that is, you're, you're in the upper you're in the upper tier of a stand, and yet you feel so close to the pitch when you sit. But yeah. like where I sit at the front of the North Upper, it's uh, I think it's one of the best views in Villa Park. If I'm being honest, it's just uh, just a shame that the facilities downstairs don't really marry up to it. But we all know the problems of the North Stand. We all know that we, you know, the, the club are trying to trying to trying to fix that by building a new stand, So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I walked out the concourse like up to my seat and like, I literally walked up the stairs as hi-ho Aston Villa was playing and like it was good then, but I can just imagine like a proper European night, like in the groups or hopefully in the knockouts, that's going to be an absolute different level. If you're at the front of the upper north like you are I think that's just a prime seat for views for sort of experiencing that atmosphere maybe not where you're sat but just to witness it I think that's incredible so hopefully I might uh, choose to sit there a little bit more often in the conference league but let's talk about the group then Asad Alkmaar, Aston Villa, Lechia Warsaw and um, I'm going to do this a disservice Zrinski totally wrong from Bosnia that is I'm sorry I do apologize decent group I was really really enjoying it on Friday I was just so excited because it's my first European experience with Aston Villa I was thinking hopefully I'm going to get a ticket to all the games so that draw is really exciting and in terms of sort of the fans that we're going to experience and the places we've got to go it's a decent group and isn't it mate because we were talking like we don't want to go to Turkey that'll probably cause a few issues we don't want to go to the Faroe Islands how are we going to get there Iceland would have been a bit of a faff as well but in terms of being able to get there decent group that is yeah definitely i think for us in terms of in
1: terms of us getting there at, yeah 100% it's a it's a decent group i mean i, I actually think it's quite I, th- I think it's quite a hard group if i'm being honest i think when you look at when, when you look at the other teams that we could have got i think um i think we've got a pretty Tough group. I mean, I, I still think that Villa will be the hot favourites for it and should should win should go on and win the group. But um, I, I think it's tough though. I mean, you look at like AZ Alkmaar and they're riding high at the top of the league in, in Holland at the moment. And you know it will never be an easy game going to sort of Warsaw, which we've got in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and then it's mm-hmm. the unknowns from Bosnia, really, isn't it? And so I don't. I actually I don't think it's an easy group. I think it's probably one of the toughest you could have got, if I'm being honest. But yeah, in terms of sort of travel for us, sort of thing, um, I think it's quite. A quite a quite a nice one. I mean, obviously we've got Bosnia, which is a little bit more tricky, um, but we've got those two ones which where you can easily get to, you know, in terms of Poland and Holland, they're not too bad to get to from the UK. So yeah, it, it was good, and I think what you just said there, it was like really exciting to like watch that draw, wasn't it? To to feel that Villa are finally sort of involved. Um, it was just nice to watch mm. it. Usually, it's the sort of thing you avoid, isn't it? And you think, ah, oh, they're you know they're they're going on and on, and they haven't made the draw, and it's on for too long. But I was loving every minute of it on Friday. I was like, I was like gripped to it because Villa were fi-
0: finally <laughs> there. We were finally in. it Yeah, exactly. The real deal. None of this qualifying nonsense. But even. Like Lisia Warsaw, they've played Champions League football fairly recently, haven't they? Mm. So it's not a given at all. And I think we were talking about in the pub at Liverpool, like, it's so. It's so much better if you win the group. If you come second, you have to play a um, an extra sort of knockout round against a team that comes third in the Europa League. So that's just a, if you can avoid it, an un- unnecessary sort of two games, isn't it? That if it will happen in February or March, whenever it is, that you just don't want it. Then so if we can top the group, which like you said isn't going to be a given, but it'll be it will definitely be a bonus.
1: Yeah, no, de- definitely.
0: I think that's what we we need to target.
1: I mean, we should we should do. I mean, with the hot, like I said, with the hot favourites of the whole competition, and so we really should be winning the group. Um, it probably won't be as straightforward as that. We'll probably have a few bumps in the road, but, um, I think Villa needs to be targeting winning that group and it'll make it nice and easy straight them into the knockouts. And, uh, yeah, you don't need to worry about playoffs or anything like that which could get tricky as you say because there'll be teams dropping out of the Europa League so yeah that, that does turn trickier.
0: I was speaking to uh, our mate Bernard who runs the YouTube channel Groundhopper FC on YouTube if you haven't already checked that out go and check it out he literally goes all over the place in Europe he's a Dutch lad but he goes to like the most mental games in Europe in the Conference League Europa League like derbies as well like he goes to you know how mental like for example the Marseille fans are and he's been to I mean literally yesterday I think he was at Ligia Warsaw for their derby against Luds, I think it was and just watching his video from that I urge anyone to go and watch it if you want a sort of taste of what it's like it's going to be like for Villa to go there and I was speaking to him today on the phone and he was like are you not scared to go there I was like, yeah, a little bit. I mean, watching your videos, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, we all know about the sort of ultra scene over there, seeing these videos on YouTube and stuff. So it just looks incredible. The way they sort of just whip out fireworks mid-game. Like, it's just going to be something that neither of us have ever experienced before. And I can just picture us both just stood in that away and just looking around and just taking it all in. I'm so, so looking forward to it. Just that Europe opening European night with Villa. It's going to be a dream, isn't it? I'm really, really looking forward to it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's been so long. I mean, I mean, for me, sort of thing. I've I've done I've done one European night away from home, like since I've been following Villa. But I'm going back to uh, when was it 2008? I think it probably was when mm. we were at Hamburg, um, and it was a bit of a dead rubber. We'd already qualified uh, in third place, I think it was at the time in the UEFA Cup, um, and we'd we'd fielded like a, a team of we weren't kids, but it was like a second string team, and we lost yeah. either two one or three one that night, and so even that it was even though it was great following villa i was only i don't know i probably was only about 16 at the time something like that um even even though it was great following sort of villa uh, in europe it didn't quite have the vibe to it that it probably will this time um so yeah i'm absolutely buzzing for it uh yeah in terms of like the draw i was happy we avoided the likes of like the turkey teams i didn't really fancy that even being honest i just i just think it feels a bit dodgy even though you know i i know that it could feel very you know, sort of hostile in Poland, I suppose, and and uh, and even in Holland and Bosnia. But um, yeah, I think I said to you deny that it'll be playing clothes and it'll be keep ourselves to ourselves, keep our mouths shut, kind of thing. I think, and just uh, just try and blend in. But no, I mean, just just in terms of the in terms of the fixtures, I think it's just going to be just an absolutely unbelievable occasion I just can't wait for it
0: I mean we got together on Saturday didn't we to like book everything I think for, in terms of like the videos on YouTube it's going to be so fun I mean for example ours at Alkmaar like flying to Amsterdam was so expensive whatever so we go in sort of via Eintow and getting a couple of trains after the game staying on a boat aren't we in Amsterdam on like the <laughs> canal I mean, what was the email you got? really made me laugh. It was like, what What did it say? Like, you may wake up somewhere else. Or like, this this is a moving boat or something weird. What did it say?
1: It was, I think, no, I don't think it was saying you'll wake up somewhere else. But it was kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine that. But no, it was kind of saying, please be, I don't know, please keep an eye on your emails as we will update you on the boarding location nearer the time because apparently and i was reading some of the reviews apparently this hotel slash boat um docks in numerous locations and i think it's around the harbour i think it is in, in amsterdam um so oh, it doesn't go far though. it doesn't go far i don't believe but uh <laughs> i don't i don't really know why it moves they've been added to you i don't what's the, what's the purpose of it moving? i don't I don't really understand that but uh, it just made me laugh so i thought oh my god imagine waking up and you were like in like finland or sweden or something (laughs) like that like you've been sailing all night but no like the the reason why we we weren't trying to be quirky for no reason it was just that we were obviously we were obviously looking at yeah obviously looking at booking.com and the other hotel websites and hotels in Amsterdam were quite expensive weren't they for that night and um we thought, you know, we want to try and keep it as sort of low budget as possible. It, it, you know, especially with other fixtures coming up and stuff. So, um, mm. yeah, what what was it like? Sixty quid for the night for the two of us, yeah, and yeah. we get and we get breakfast thrown in on top of the boat or something. Yeah, and it will be quite quirky. Two two two, <laughs> two like bunk beds in the smallest room in the world. The only thing I did worry about, I, I did think about this. I don't know if we really thought about will the room cater for two. Two blokes do a six foot throw I, I don't know if we uh we'll make do. We'll be fine. We might be sleeping in like the fetal position, to be honest with you, like, <laughs> uh, for that night. But do you know what? It's quite, you know, it's quite quirky, and it. So uh, yeah, it's what, what I said to you. is that It's it's going to be what going around Europe with, with the villa is all about. Like yeah. finding these little quirky spots and stuff. And I think we've definitely done that in uh, in, in Amsterdam for sure.
0: Oh, we'll be creating memories, whatever. Um, I think the one that takes the biscuit is a road trip in Bosnia. I mean, we get in a direct direct uh, flight to Bosnia, which is decent, but then we're hiring a car. Cheapest chips over there, by the way, about, what was it, 30 quid to hire a car for, what, 24 hours? More than that, actually, wasn't it? So, I mean, if you get over there, everything's cheap, and then, like, accommodation in Bosnia was decent. I think If you can sort out flights, it's not too bad in terms of like the financial side of things. So, yeah, it's a lot. It is a big commitment, but it will be absolutely worth it for the memories, won't it? That Bosnian one. It's by Christmas, isn't it? I think it's literally like 10 days before Christmas. Fancy a Christmas in Bosnia? Yeah. Do you know what? It looks brilliant, though. Like when you say Bosnia, you expect, like, well, you don't expect to
1: see it looking nice, do you? You sort of think back to like a sort of. You know, war torn country, don't you, sort of thing from years ago. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's anything but that, though, when you have a look at it. Like, most are where the game's being held, like, it looks absolutely beautiful, like, it looks incredible. Um, so it was a little bit more difficult to book this one, wasn't it? I mean, it was because the flight the flight out there is fine. You fly, uh, direct from London to the capital, Sarajevo, and that's fine. Mm. And as you said, we only paid what, 30 35 quid for a, a higher car over, And so we can, it's only like 70 kilometers, so we can drive. Down to Mostar, and then back to Sarajevo the next day. It was just flying back, wasn't it? There's no direct flights back to London. Yeah. Um, bearing in mind, we've also got Brentford that weekend on the Sunday. <laughs> um, so what we're doing, we're having to. It's a bit of a mammoth journey on the Saturday, isn't it? We're flying from uh, flying from Bosnia over to Belgrade in Serbia and then Serbia to. London,
0: and then we're having to stay over in London yeah. because obviously Villa are playing Brentford on the Sunday. So, it's... oh, we're not going home, are we, mate? No. Absolutely not going home from Bosnia to Brentford in a matter of days. So and then we might think about actually going back to the real world and going home,
1: go home, <laughs> go home, and actually celebrate Christmas or something rather than rather <laughs> than trekking round Europe following the Villa. But show you know what it's all about. It's all about these old weird sort of like trips and weird ways to get there. And I think I just think it'll be really, really class.
0: Trekking around uh, Christmassy Eastern Europe, it's what Villa on Tour was made for clues in the name honestly if you haven't subscribed to the channel please do because this European adventure I mean I hope it goes well if we get knocked out in the groups it's going to be a bit depressing but honestly I've just got a good feeling the the adventures we're going to have it's going to be amazing how about the groups that the uh, just touching it quickly the groups that the other English teams have got Mm. Newcastle got PSG Dortmund AC Milan Bryson got Ajax Marseille and uh, AEK Athens in the Europa League some crazy trips in there I think all three English sides there I mean Liverpool not so much but all three sort of new English sides they're competitions got some decent trips aren't we quite lucky
1: yeah you know he made me laugh like this week because um I follow a couple of Newcastle fans and a couple of Brighton fans on Twitter and uh, they were basically having exactly the same sort of Twitter conversations as what the Villa fan base are having about. <laughs> you know, what flights have you found? Oh my God, the flights yeah. to Milan, for instance, have gone crazy. And the flights to uh, Amsterdam for, for Brighton going to Ajax have gone, have gone crazy. And yeah, it's just, you know what? But it's been really good to see the buzz around even Newcastle and Brighton as well because, well, it's, it's, it's like been so long for them as well. I mean, for Newcastle mm. it's been ages and for Brighton's the first time it's happened and so even for yeah. them it's like it's the same sort of feeling as villa and so it's quite nice this season really to have like all these like new teams in european competition so uh yeah, yeah, like incredible draws. Some, especially Newcastle. I mean, what, 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 brilliant games Newcastle have got
0: in terms of like trips. Could you have picked it any better? There, that's nah. incredible. Like experiences at PSG, Dortmund, and AC Milan at the San Siro. Mm. That is mega. They are going to love that. I genuinely
1: think that's like the best in terms of like away trips. I genuinely think that's the best draw that any English side has probably ever had. To be honest with you, I think that's just mm. incredible. It's a tough draw. It's a very tough draw for Newcastle. Though. Oh I mean, yeah, but um. But I, I still, I wouldn't rule them out, though. I still think they've got, you know, I know they haven't started as well in the league as what they would expected, but um, I think, you know, on their day, Newcastle can test anybody, really. And We went to see Milan, didn't we, last season? They're not the team that, mm. you know, they would have been sort of 10, 15 years ago. And uh, and even PSG, I think they can be got at. So, yeah, no, it, it should be should be good for the, for the English clubs this year. I, I think it should be really interesting.
0: I mean, it's good for English football I mean I don't want to turn this into a Newcastle podcast, but can you imagine those teams going to St James's Park as well yeah. I mean, We talked about the fans going over there imagine them turning up to Newcastle like those nights there will be absolutely fantastic, really interesting to see how Bryson get on as well, like you said like first time in a European top competition there's some a decent sides in that group as well so that's not going to be a given as well but for English football it's really good isn't it?
1: It is no it's it's it's, it's very very good and okay it's probably what we need to be expecting you know the money that goes around English football we probably should be mm. we, pro- we probably should be dominating these European competitions we should be but I think it's just good to see new clubs in it you know like I say Newcastle mm. Villa Brighton the West Ham last season you know it's quite fresh isn't it yeah. for, for teams like us and so um, yeah I, I, I like seeing it rather than the same old and this is why I like the Conference League though you see like and, uh, and while I was watching the Conference League draw, they were talking about that. I think it was the Alex Scott and um, Matt Smith who was presenting it. were talking. Uh, I think they were talking to Mark Noble about it actually, and, um, and they were saying about how this competition. You know, enables clubs who've never been in Europe before or haven't been in it for a long time to to, to be able to get a go. And like the team from uh, Faroe Islands, for instance, or from Iceland, they've never ever been in any European competition before. So people moan about it. People call it the Mickey Mouse Trophy, whatever they want to call it. But for these clubs, it's like it's it's an opportunity. And you know what? What are you in football for? You're not in football just to you know see out a season again, finishing in the you yeah. know eleventh in the table, and oh yeah, well, we've survived another year. You're not you're not in football for that. You're in football to, to have a bit of fun, to have a bit of success, to be entertained. It's an entertainment business at the end of the day. And so for fans of all these clubs around Europe who are in the Conference League, they'll be absolutely loving it.
0: Absolutely. And for fans like us who go over a week, this is the absolute dream as well. Literally, Warsaw's a matter of weeks away, mate. So looking forward to that. But I guess we should move on to uh, talking a little bit about Liverpool, unfortunately. Uh, felt really quick getting there, didn't it? I mean, it's nice to have games on a Sunday, no traffic, no issues at all. What are your opinions on Sunday games? I think, I mean, most of what, Crystal Palace coming up is the first Saturday game, apart from the opening day, actually, um, against Newcastle. But just having a Saturday game is going to feel a little bit of a rarity, isn't it? Obviously, all these Sunday games, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, you're going to have to get used to it, aren't we? Do
1: you know what? I actually don't mind it, if I'm being totally honest. And I think for me, it's because usually, like, we go to my away day on a Saturday, and then, for me, usually the following day, I don't do anything. It becomes, like, a real lazy yeah. day for me, and I... And it's probably because I've had a few to drink on the Saturday usually. And then I, I don't do anything on the Sunday and I feel like I've like wasted my day. But in role reversal, like I tend to do stuff on a Saturday if, if like Villa's not playing and then we're off to the other way down the Sunday and as you say, no traffic. It doesn't take long to get anywhere. Um I actually quite like it. I'm not going to lie to you. I actually quite like it. Like, if, all right, okay, we're already starting to feel like a, a bit much having Thursday, Sunday, and then a very quick turnaround like that. I think I, I said to you yesterday, didn't I? You know that, oh, it feels like a lot this does already. <laughs> we're already like, at the very <laughs> we're first. Are, man.
0: We've only had one Thursday, Sunday, yeah. Chill out. We're already
1: at the very beginning of September. <laughs> I don't know whether pre season might have taken its toll on me, to be honest with you. I don't Maybe remember. it was the heat. It might have it, been the it heat. It might have be. been, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so it felt a little bit much already. But no, like, nah, In in general, I actually. Don't mind a Sunday game. If I'm being honest, I think it's better if it's a two o'clock one. I don't know how I'd, I'll feel in the oh, yeah. in the depths of winter when it's a four thirty kickoff on a Sunday, but um
0: I don't mind the two o'clock one yeah yeah I mean it doesn't make the trip into the office on a Monday morning any easier it really doesn't but to be honest I do agree with you though it is worth it isn't it I mean the Friday if you've got a free sort of Friday night you can look forward to having a free Saturday doing whatever you want to do it is a nice little change to sort of what we've experienced usually like I said then sun was shining in Merseyside and I was I don't know I had a sneaky feeling I've heard a lot of people say this I had a sneaky feeling that We might get something. They had no Canate, no Van Dijk. I said it in the video that Liverpool's record with no Van Dijk isn't great. But again, their record at Anfield is absolutely sublime. It's so, so good. So it wasn't going to be easy, but I had a sneaky feeling we could hurt them. That doesn't mean to say that I thought we'd win, but... I thought we sort of had the tools to, to be able to get something. We both said we would have taken a draw. I think the main thing, though, going into the game, we were both saying this is going to be a huge, huge test for Paul Torres and Carlos at the back, and it sort of proved that way, didn't it? Yeah, to be honest with you, the game played out probably the way that I was fearing,
1: if I'm being honest with you. I mean, I said to you before the game, deny that I thought we'd have chances in the game. I thought we'd get round their defence because um, you can get at Liverpool. It's the way they play. You can get at Liverpool, even when they've got... Van Dijk and kanate playing, you can still get at yeah. Um But with them two missing, even more <clears> so, I felt like we could get, get at them. And we actually did. I mean, to go to Anfield and create... We probably created four clear-cut chances yesterday. Um, teams, you know, at, at, other, at other grounds... I bet you when we go to Man City this year and Arsenal this year, you, you'd be lucky to create as many as four clear-cut chances. I bet you it doesn't happen. Um so I felt like that was always going to happen yesterday at Anfield, and obviously it it depends on whether you're clinical enough to be able to take something from the game. But like I said at the other end though, Liverpool are quite potent. You know they use uh, Trent, don't they, to to search for to, to search for the attackers, and they've got some good mm. players going forward. And um, and I, and I said to you yesterday that. Obviously we've you know, we had the we had the absolute shocker at Newcastle first day of the season. Um we responded pretty well, didn't we, in terms of results and and absolutely, I I I think we did. Um but I said to you yesterday, I said, I think the one worry for me is that this is the you know, this is the next big test after Newcastle. Yeah. Like the, the 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 defenders haven't really been tested that much at against Everton, Hibbs or Burnley. And so, um, yeah, I thought it was a big test for the bat line yesterday and um it yeah it, it proved it proved to be the case and it proved to be the case that it was a big test and a test, which unfortunately they, they didn't pass.
0: Yeah, it's a sort of fresh-looking Liverpool side this season. Obviously, Henderson leaving, he's, he's been been a mainstay for a very long time, so there was always going to be a bit of change at, at Liverpool this summer. McAllister sort of finding that new position at the base of Liverpool's midfield, that's different. They've obviously got the Hungarian lad, Szoboszlai, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, coming in, who obviously scored that first goal as well. So it's a little bit different. Obviously, Nunes didn't start at Newcastle last week, came on, got a brace that earned him a start in this game going forward that Salah Nunes, and Diaz sort of trio very very good Diaz saw a lot of the ball early on Danini was sort of causing uh, Conza, and then Cash and a few issues but that first goal I've already talked about the record at Anfield you can't concede an early goal and it's such a bad early goal as well Paulo Torres gives the corner away but even then you've got to reset that goal from a set piece it's really not great, is it? I mean, we'll talk about the offside. I mean, we called it last week saying that we were moaning about refs then and you said that, oh, the following week yeah. we'll probably moan about refs and we're yeah. going to do it now. I'm not I'm not too bothered, to be totally honest, because it didn't really impact the result. It might have done if you don't concede so early, but I'm not majorly bothered. Is it the wrong decision? Probably. It probably is offside, but not too asked, to be honest.
1: But I think you feel like that, though, because you, you're at the acceptance point of accepting, you know, Bad decisions week in week out, oh, yeah. and yet uh, you know I'm not I'm not happy about it. Not 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 from the fact that I thought it was going to affect the result, but just from the fact that these referees are paid an awful lot of money. They're supposed to be like they're, they're working in the best league in the world. They're supposed to be the el- the most elite referees in the world, and yet it's an absolute joke, isn't it? I mean. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll start on that. in terms of, In terms of the in terms of the decision, I don't understand it whatsoever. I, I really don't understand it. And I saw Dermot Gallagher talking. He was talking on. Oh I think God. it was on like an international uh, broadcaster. Yeah. And Peter Schmeichel was talking to him, and as a goalkeeper, obviously Peter Schmeichel knows what he's talking about. An elite goalkeeper as well. Dermot Gallagher was trying to tell him that Emi Martinez's <laughs> view wasn't impeded, and he didn't change anything about how he would try and save that shot. And Peter Schmeichel was like, "What are you talking about?" As you, you can see, Emi Martinez moving his head around the pl- around around mm. uh, Salah uh, to, to the right to to get a glimpse of the ball. Now, if Salah wasn't there, he would have shifted to the left a little bit and been in a yeah. better position to, to save the shot. So you can't tell me that he's not interfering with play. I just find the decision really baffling because... There's no consistency because after that, I saw a tweet when someone had digged out Dermot Gallagher's quotes after um, you know the one in lockdown when John McGinn scored. No, Barclay, yeah, the Barclay one. Oh, yes, yeah, well, sorry,
0: yeah, Barclay was one in the way, wasn't he? He was identical. Yeah,
1: and I and I saw that, and I, and I saw so I saw it earlier in Dermot Gallagher's quotes after that about why that decision was right, and then I looked, I look, I look at, uh, I look at that other weekend, and I think you're talking rubbish you talk you you you're saying it when it suits and i hate to say this and i've always been a big like i've always said no this doesn't happen but this big club bias thing i genuinely think i genuinely think it is a thing i genuinely and i, and I used to say years ago no it's not it's not it's just something that's made up by the media and fans you know but i genuinely don't think it is because i, I just look at that and i think if that was down the other end if that was Watkins down the other end for instance mm. do do we think that goal would have stood and I, and I bet you it wouldn't. And I, and so yes, it wouldn't have changed the overall impact of the game. I don't think it would have. Um, but I just find I just found the decision absolutely laughable. If I'm being totally honest, I, I, I didn't get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw that Dermot Gallagher clip as well. It's the way he sort of always always sits on like his high horse and pretends that he's kind of patronising in a way, isn't he? And it's quite hilarious that he's trying to tell one of the best goalkeepers the Premier League has ever seen in Peter mm. Schmeichel how goalkeepers are meant to think or how goalkeepers view the game. These people who have never played football in their lives sit in a, a weird little box near London and pretend to know everything and they're all patronising about it as well. And it's it's so funny that we've sort of dug out an identical thing uh, with that John McGinn goal at Arsenal when we won their 3-0 in lockdown, that goal that was sort of, early on in that game as well Hmm. it's it's identical it's literally the same and Dermot Gallagher was talking about how Martinez wouldn't have got there and all this nonsense but again that doesn't make a difference does it you can dig out loads of clips where it's an identical goal talking about uh players in the size of a goalkeeper they literally make it up as they go along mate and it's so frustrating with four games into a season now and we're just seeing nonsense people apologizing the PGMOL apologizing to teams week in week out and it's just—it's bizarre. It's—it's—it's it's, it's absolutely bizarre. And I, I hate it when they get referees on. I used to get so wound up when they got Peter Walton on BC yeah, Sport. Yeah. That was the most frustrating thing in the world because he was the most pointless person. Because he just—they just agree with each other. They just go with whatever suits. And it was just hilarious seeing Peter Schmeichel's reaction. He was like, yeah. "What are you talking about?" He was literally stunned, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Ian Wright was there as well. Funnily enough, the two professional footballers who have played football for decades are shocked at someone who's never played before of their decision. Funny though. Well
1: this is it and they and they pulled out the rule, didn't they, from the rule book? And Der Gallagher was like, Yeah, but it's it's the referee's perception of that rule. And it's like, yeah, but this what? is this is where we've got this is where we've got it all wrong then, isn't it? These people, as we've said, have never been a goalkeeper in their lives. They've never been a professional footballer in their lives. So to me, and I've said it for ages, I've said it for absolutely ages that in that VAR booth, they need people who have played football and experienced football at, the, at that highest level because then you're going to get more of a i think you're going to get more honest decisions if I'm being honest i think you're going to get more logical decisions I i'm not saying you're going to get every single decision right because it kind of you know it's kind of up to that individual still isn't it and every individual slight has a slightly different opinion i get that so you're never going to you're never going to get 100% of them correct but i think you're going to get more correct than what we're getting at the moment and um it's just these, you're right it's these patronizing explanations of it um, and I think it winds me up, and I hate moaning about referees. I feel like it's what I constantly do, but I just think the standard is absolutely appalling. And just to think about the end, you know how much how much money is generated by the Premier League, all the mm. all the how much these players are on, and this is the best league in the world. and These clubs have got multi millions, and yet we've got a refereeing sort of system which is absolutely terrible. Um, and I, yeah, look, I'm moaning about referees. I know I am, and it wouldn't have impacted on the game probably. And you, what you just said there, in terms of that goal, it was a poor goal to concede, like we say. Obviously, Torres dwelled on the ball for too long. He was looking for Kamara or Louise, and they didn't they didn't show for him whatsoever. Uh, and he ended up getting sort of pickpocketed, and, and it led to the corner. And then a bloke free on the edge of the area. Look, it's not great defending my Villa. It, we know it's not, but it doesn't help, does it? You know, you're, t- you're two minutes in at Anfield and you go 1-0 down and it's a and it's a poor decision essentially by an official. Um and yeah, like I say I'm saying it wouldn't have impacted on the game further on and I don't think it would have done but you never know though at 2 minutes that 1-0 mm. down at Anfield that's incredibly difficult that is. It's incredibly difficult for the mindset and for the and for the game plan that the manager's already set out. I think that's really difficult. Um and so you never know do you? You never know but um dis- disappointment with Villa's defending on that one. Um but equally as disappointed with the official decisions, definitely.
0: Yeah, it's rubbish. And I'm sort of at that... Acceptance stage where it's like oh there's a there's a big talking point shock yeah it's an absolute mess um a real real mess something that sort of disrupted us probably a little bit more is Carlos going off I mean it, it's not great isn't it you've planned all week for it to be Carlos and Torres and then he goes off with an injury that looks pretty innocuous I'm not really sure what's happened there I mean you you were speaking at the end of the game you said he was walking around was it with an ice pack on his legs it probably didn't it's probably not too bad is it no he
1: looked okay I mean he, as we were walking out of the stadium he was, he walked onto the pitch and he was clapping the fans. And he was walking fine. He wasn't even limping actually. So um, I think it. I think I think it's hard for players who've been out for a long time, isn't it? Because they get like a slight twinge or anything, and they immediately think something really bad's happened, kind of thing. Then I don't. I think he'll be back after the international break. I don't think it will keep him out long at all. And um, yeah, it, you know it's really frustrating because I think I've said to you my concerns about Carlos in pre-season. I think I said that. I, I, I thought he was going to struggle to get 1st in football. Um, I didn't, and, I, and he needs minutes. He desperately needs minutes to get some sort of consistency back in his game. Um, obviously, Mings' injury presented him with that opportunity, and I think for a defender that we paid a lot of money for, with sort of leadership traits, he's the one that we need to look at really to sort of deputise for Mings this season. I know he's not. Mm. I, know, I know he doesn't play on that left-hand side usually, but um, it's just for me that. I think he's got those leadership traits that we need, and I think I think I think losing any defender after only you know what eighteen minutes is tough. Um, but I, if we've hit, just just him again. It's like you know you think, oh god, is this another start of another injury? Yeah. Um, I think at that moment, I think Emery possibly got got the decision wrong. If I'm being honest, I think I could see what he was trying to do. He thought right, we're one nil down already, or we're two nil down at that point. No, one nil wasn't it? We're one 0 down at that yeah. point. Um, and I could see what he was, he was thinking. He was thinking, right, we're already one or down. Let's try and get on the bit more on the front foot, and that's why he brought Bailey on. I think my only worry with that though is that. You make when you're making a defensive substitution which you're forced into you're then kind of making a, a second change because obviously you're shifting cash back to right back and then you're moving cons are over you make, do you know what I mean you're making another change which you're not you're not needing to do if, if you know We're what I mean you're shifting
0: multiple players isn't it essentially rather than just like for like you're shifting multiple players and your game plan for multiple people goes out the window I mean
1: at that point you could have bought long label looked like he was about to come on uh, I more Chambers yeah exactly I was going to say I think the more realistic one for me would have been Chambers because obviously is right-sided. I think it would have been a straight swap, to be honest with you, but mm. yeah, look, he made the decision. I could see why he made the decision. I think he'll look back on it. I think mm, I probably shouldn't have done that because we all know what Leon Bailey's like usually away from home. And
0: I, I don't think he- he's been in good form though. But he's been in good form, so you've you've got to give him that chance and give him a go. If you're not going to play him in an away game, then when I no you? exactly,
1: and I, and I don't want to, I don't want to criticize him too much because I don't think he was particularly bad. Just I don't think he was as I don't think he was any worse than than, than other players yesterday. If I'm being totally honest, like other people mm. will say he was because he was hooked later on in the game. Him, but that was that was purely down to the the time of the game that we weren't going to take like a derby off where we was playing well. It was it was ob- it was obviously going to be Bailey, and um, I think he's probably I think he's probably got a little bit of criticism because people are thinking oh he must have been terrible if he was subbed on and then subbed off. But I, yeah, I don't yeah. think Henry did it because he was terrible. I just think it was because he was the obvious choice sort of thing. So yeah, I think he got that wrong. If I'm being honest, I don't think I would have brought Bailey on. I think I would have just made a straight swap for a centre half, but. Um, Also, equally, I can see why he did it.
0: The second goal is pretty horrible as well. Ball down our left-hand side, Liverpool's right. I think if you look at it, Torres is pretty slow to react, which means Nunes is in so much time. He probably should have scored, but he absolutely nails it against the post and it's slightly unlucky on Matty Cash. I mean, another goal for him, but yeah, it's it's, again, it's a goal though that's a little bit easy. Is it Trent that plays over the top? Dean and Torres, that left-hand side, probably struggled a little bit all day. It was just a bit like, it felt a little bit game over then, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it certainly did. You go two nil down at Anfield, and it's very unlikely that you do come back. But um, Liverpool were targeting that from the outset, weren't they? I mean, they were targeting our left hand side all day long, and um, those sort of long balls round the back. And obviously, there's not a lot of pace there, is there? Obviously, Torres, we know, is not the quickest. Um, oh, I don't know what to say about Dean He really frustrates me, you know, because it's like he he pulls out these great games against the teams who you know aren't quite as good as us, but. Feels like he's always got like a a bit of a rick in him against against like the better teams, and mm. I felt a bit sorry for him because he was targeted and he was you know he had a really really difficult afternoon. It just felt too easy for them, didn't it? Just one lofty ball over the top, and Torres and Dina were in immediate trouble because that's the thing because Dina is not very fast either. There's no one to really cover for Torres because we know he's not very fast, and so yeah, it was like it was just an, a horrible combination, wasn't on that left hand side for Villa yesterday and. um Yeah, right on the wall at 2-0 down, really. It's going to be tough. And we needed a goal before half-time, essentially, didn't we? That's what I said. I said, if we're going to try and get back into this game, we need a goal before half-time. And we had chances, you know. We had chances, but we just couldn't finish one off. And that was... That was my biggest frustration of the afternoon, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, going back to Luca Dean, I think obviously Salah's one of the best wingers in the world, and going away to Anfield, and I was going to say that sort of atmosphere, there wasn't an atmosphere, but it's 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 always going to be tough. I just think with Luca Dean, he's a, he, he just he's just weak. He strikes me as being weak, whether that's mentally and just physically as well. Just, I mean, even with the third goal, we might as well come on to it now. Mm. He's just napping. And that was exactly the same as the Tonali goal at Newcastle, though. He was just napping and his man's gone. His man is that quicker half-yard gone. And literally in a split second, you you've conceded a goal there. And you could have stopped it if you were a little bit more aware. Less ball watching. Watching your man, who's just gone in a blink of an eye, just felt like that, didn't it? I'll get you 2-0 down, but you can't let your head drop. You've still got to be sharp. And just Salah's just quicker, taps it at the back stick. Yeah, I don't want to dig him out, Luka Dean, because he's been good. But again, though, he's been good against poor sides. He needs to step up against the stronger sides. Newcastle, he was terrible. As was everyone. Liverpool was terrible. So oh, annoyed me, annoyed me on the weekends.
1: Yeah, he, he switches off, doesn't he? he? He's ball watching, and that's the problem. You see him; he's just not aware of his surroundings. And um, you know, I think we talk about Luka Dean like because he's been because he was playing second fiddle to Moreno at the back end of last season. I think we sort of talk about him as like he's this sort of backup player and. Oh, you know, Dean did well against Hibs and Everton and stuff. But when you actually think about it, like realistically, like he's one of our highest earners. if not the highest earner, and yet we paid like you know we paid twenty five million for him. I mean, mm. should we should we be expecting a bit more out of Luca Dean in that scenario? I, I kind of think we should, be, to be honest with you, I mean, he's the most expensive fullback Aston Villa ever had. I mean surely yeah. we can expect that he's gonna be switched on from from a set piece and he's gonna you know he's gonna he's gonna not switch you know he's not gonna be ball watching, he's gonna be aware of his surroundings. Yeah. But it seems to happen all the time and so it is frustrating. It is really frustrating. Yeah. But you, you, know, you know what I, I think it's kinda of similar to when Emory first came in. It probably took us until March time, when we lost the Leicester Arsenal and Man City. Yeah. I think it took us to that point for Emory to really know the inner workings of his squad and what his best eleven is and uh what his best tactics were. I think it took till to that to 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 realise. Um I kind of feel like we're back at sort of square one, if if, if I'm being honest with you. I think we've improved the team moving forward without a doubt. Um, But I think defensively, we're kind of back where we were in terms of when we're trying to figure out what the best system is, what the best players are Mm -hmm. to fit that system. And he kind of alluded to that, actually, in his post-match interview yesterday when he was saying that for the final sort of 20 minutes or so, um, you know, it was sort of damage limitation. They knew they were going to lose and he didn't want it to end up like a a Newcastle 5-1. And so... Um, He was trying new things. He brought Tielemans on. He brought Zaniola on because he wanted to have a look at them. And um, yeah, so I think I feel a bit sorry for Emory when it's the season with like such a a strong base to build from. And then we lost Mings and Buen which are two massive, massive players for Villa. And I know I keep harping on about it. And people say we need to just accept it. And I have accepted it, but it's still a massive blow, isn't it? If you add it to Moreno and Ramsey, I feel like that's probably why Villa are. Not well. I'm not saying struggling we're not struggling but I think that's why you can see some of the issues that are coming up especially defensively um, I think we are where we are I think we're beating teams that we'd expect to be beating um, and we're, we're not performing we're, we're, not, we're not performing against the teams that are sort of streets ahead of us we know Liverpool are streets ahead of us um, at the moment and Newcastle was just a really bad day we know that but I think it will get better. I do think it will get better um, as the season wears on. I think it's it's it's, it's going to have to. Um, I mean, Torres will get used to it. Carlos hopefully will get a bit of a, a a run of games, and that defense will become used to each other. But it's difficult at the moment. I understand it. I understand why fans feel a little bit frustrated with yesterday's performance compared to how we were in back in uh, uh, you know back end of April, start of May against Liverpool. It was poles apart, wasn't it?
0: Thing with all these injuries, though, Unai Emery's had to learn really fast, though, because we've gone through all a pre season with the plan being Tyro Mings, and all the chat was, well, who's going to play with Tyro Mings? Can you play two left footers with power Torres? That all went out the window on day one, and people said, people were sort of saying on Twitter last night, I saw it, that. We were two nil down with Tari Mings in the side, so he's not that important. I think that's really naive to say, though. It's mm-hmm. so obvious we are missing that leader yeah. at the back, and all of our problems wouldn't have been solved if Tari Mings were still in the team. If you go to Anfield and Mings is in the team and you lose three 0 that's not mental like that. That's still mm-hmm. prob- a likelihood, of course. It is like he's not a god, Tari Mings. He's not the best defender in the world. We're not saying that. It's just with someone like Torres, who's coming into a new league and a new team and has to play in a sort of way that he's probably a little bit familiar with because he played with Emery before. It's still going to be so hard though. And it's sort of who's supporting him there though because you've got Luka Dean one side who's getting ripped apart. You've got Carlos starting with him. Then you've got Konzu. It's all just shifting around a little bit and it's going to take time. It is. And I think we said it multiple times, Moreno and Ramsey losing your whole left-hand side. is such a huge blow. And hopefully it's looking like now You've got them two looking, coming back potentially after the international break, but then it'll take a bit of time. Obviously, they've both been out for a long time. Get them back up to speed. And we've seen what Moreno can do for the side. He can transform it. Jacob Ramsey's that huge, huge goal threat as well. So you get them two back, takes a bit of time. And then, like you said, towards Christmas, when everyone's settled down a little bit, touch wood, we haven't got any more injuries you'd probably start to to become a little bit more settled and probably a little bit more consistent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what you just said there about it's disrupted us. It's massively disrupted us at the back. But it's disrupted the whole spine of the team though, because you even look at like John McGee and how good he was over on that right hand side last season. Um and now he's been shifted over to the left hand side because we lost Brendan, kind of thing. Um and it doesn't it, it doesn't work as well. You need John McGinn is best over on that right hand side. And so uh, I think People would say using injuries is a massive excuse. Um, I don't like using injuries um, as as a reason, but it's because we've got so many of them to key players. You know, I mean, those four players, you could argue that every single one of them players would be starting for Villa at the moment. Yeah, and that's a massive chunk that is. That's like, you know what I mean? It's a huge, huge chunk of your team, and so getting Moreno and Ramsey back will be really, really you know vital for us. I think Ramsey and um, Moreno, as I said, will help with that. I think they'll, I think they'll help the the. The, the the sort of defense, especially Moreno with his recovery pace, even Ramsey he gets back and defends well as well at times, and so yeah, yeah. Um, I think that having them to back will be will be good. And I, and I think with as I said, I do feel sorry for Emerys. I think he would have loved the he would have loved the sort of um, chance to to bed Torres in slowly, and also like the likes of like Zaniolo, and yet with you know with Wendier's injury, with Mings' injury, Ramsey, Moreno. Like, Zaniola is probably going to start for Villa against Palace after the international break. You, you know, you, he's, he's probably going to have to. And it's like Torres is had to play pretty much every game. And so, it's not something he probably wanted to do. And I know it's a bit of a luxury being able to bed players in like that. Um, but he, I do feel sorry for him because up till you know, literally a couple of days before the season started, um, it all looked rosy, didn't it? And, uh, and he's had to go back to the drawing board. And I think when I was talking about the high line, I said, I think he'll stick with it, which I think he will. But I think... I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking in November, December that Villa look a bit of a different outfit to what we look today. I think he'll adapt things. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we'd be playing a totally different formation come November, December. To be honest, like I think that's the type of manager he is. He'll be he'll be reflecting on this. He'll be heavily heavily reviewing it. He won't be thinking, okay, let's just go again with exactly the same the next time out. He won't do that. Um, he'll he'll be constantly reviewing it, and so. I think we'll see some changes in how we play going forward at some point. Don't I'm not saying the high line will disappear totally because I think it's it's a key component to how Emery wants us to play, entertaining football um, on the front foot. But I wouldn't be surprised to see tweaks to it because I think he probably needs it to be honest with you, um, and and that's only because of the the players that are available to him. I think if we had a a fully fit squad, then I don't think we'd be talking about it. I don't. I, I I'm not saying we would have won yesterday or or against Newcastle, um, but I think we'd. I don't think we'd have. I don't. I don't think we'd have given away so many goals. Is what I'm trying to say. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've got the international break now. Then after that, we've got Palace. I see our first Conference League game in Warsaw. Chelsea, Everton in the cup, and then Brighton. That's five games there in 14 days. Talks about it. Then I was just going to ask you that: Would you start Zaniolo against Palace? I think I probably would. I think you'd probably see him on the left hand side. McGinn shifted back to that sort of more familiar role on the right hand side. Cash dropping back and it being Torres and Konza that's probably what I'd do take Carlos out not even based off the injury I'd probably just do that anyway because I think Zaniolo has to start and I'd like to see McGinn back in that sort of more familiar position like I said so you've got to see that change and I think against Palace at home it's a a kind game but again it's one of them games that we like to talk about and see It's, it's probably a game you'd like to think we'd win
1: yeah, no, absolutely. And I think if you look at Villa's... I was having a look at Villa's fixture list. And, you know, we've had a fairly difficult start, really. When you think about two out of the three of, of our away games against, have been against Liverpool and Newcastle. That's a pretty tough start, to be fair. I'm kind of glad we got them out of the way because they're two places which are two of the toughest in the league to go to, let's be honest. Um, our running up till end of November time it looks pretty nice on paper. Um, there should be some points there on offer. And I think if Villa you know we've been fairly consistent against teams that we should be beating especially at villa park we've been brilliant at villa park and so if we can win the games we expect to win you know up till the christmas time villa will be back up there they will do and then hopefully you know you can sort of reassess we'll hopefully be in a better position there so i don't think it's any time to panic is what i'd say i think uh, we are kind of where we probably expected to be um, I just think that the conceding the eight goals against Newcastle and Liverpool, I think it's, uh, I think it's probably just shot people and worried people, and the expectations are running high, aren't they? They're running very high, and I, I understand mm. it, but I think we've got to sort of we've got to be careful with that because while we think we've strengthened our side over the summer every other club
0: has as well and so it's not I mean it's yeah, I mean look that. at Liverpool already though look at this look at the way they started last season and look at the side they are now Tottenham yeah. as well Brighton have started incredibly strong Newcastle falling off a little bit but it's not just us who, no, who've no. improved so yeah you're right it's tough
1: yeah, no, it is. And I think, like I say, I think things will settle down. It feels very messy at the moment to me. It feels like you're not quite sure what your strongest eleven is at the moment. I don't think I know what it is and I don't think the manager knows at the moment. That's the sort of thing he's working through. Um, and it's a, it's an ongoing thing. It's like we're back having another pre-season, essentially, isn't it? And it's difficult because you're, yeah. you're playing Premier League matches and the Premier League is so hard to play in. But it, it will come. It, I'm sure it will come and it will, will settle down. And um I'd you know, I'd love to see sort of Carlos get that consistent run of games and what you just said there about Zaniolo, yeah, I think he probably will need to play and um I wouldn't even be against maybe even if Moreno's not back, even trying like a Torres at you know, left full back or something, having cash. Be that one to bum on down the right hand side. I won't be against that, to be honest. We didn't see and Carlos at the back. I don't know, but we need to we need to try and find a bit of consistency, though, is what I'm trying to say as well. Like, especially centre half pairings. I don't think it does them any good to keep chopping and changing them. I think we need to try and to try and find a settled partnership.
0: Yeah, just relax, a little bit of positivity. We'll be fine, it will come, absolutely. Um, we're off to Dublin at the weekend, aren't we? I thought mm. I'd mention this. Little shout out to the uh for the love of Paul McGraw podcast. If you haven't checked them out, go and listen to their podcast. they got a YouTube channel as well. Go and check them out. They're doing a live event in Dublin. Obviously, they're all Irish based, so it will be a good weekend in Dublin for their live show, won't it? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward. To it. It's only just
1: realised to me, really, in the last few days, that we're going to be doing sort of a live podcast on the stage in front of. Oh, you're all nervous. You? I am nervous. Yeah, in front of 300 people. I mean, like I say, I'm usually sitting on my living room floor or with you at one of our houses or at Hockley Social <laughs> Club or something. I've never been. I've never done speaking in front of. Two two fifty, three hundred people. So um, I am a little bit nervous, actually. I am, but you know, what? it should be a good laugh. It should be, a, yeah, it should be a good weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, we won't spend too much on how expensive Dublin is. So, I'm a little bit worried about that. But, um, no, nah, it should be good.
0: Nah, you'll be fine. Yeah, it's my first time in Dublin. And Paddy and Neil, the guys who run for the Liverpool McGrath, they're fantastic blokes. And they've set up this whole event and fair play to them. Like it started as sort of a. We were out with them, weren't we, in Litchfield before the Forest game in April? And it was just sort of like a drunken idea. And them guys being the guys they are, they just sorted it. in fair play to them, they're filming the whole event as well, which will be on their YouTube channel. So, really looking forward to it. I mean, I'm a not a massive fan of public speaking either. So, look, mate, they're not going to trip us up. It's going to be talking about Villa, and that's what we're good at. So, you'll be fine.
1: No, absolutely. No, I'm. I'm I, lo- I love talking about <laughs> Villa, as most people know. I just can. I can rabbit on about Villa all night long if you if you want me <laughs> to. So, yeah, it'll be. Uh, no, it'll be a good event. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Right then, that wraps us up. Then, thank you so much for listening to the podcast like I said at the top of the show if you do want to subscribe that will massively help us out and ensure that you never miss an episode do subscribe to Villa on tour on YouTube as well so you don't miss all the Premier League match day vlogs that I'll do over there and of course the European tour as well thank you very much for listening and up the Villa